This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. A lot of action, maybe a little drama to break down for this Houston Rockets team from this past weekend. So Rockets face their first set of back-to-back games this season, first of which against the Denver Nuggets, a down-to-the-wire finish in Denver, and then against the Golden State Warriors, the best team in the Western Conference so far this season. Uh, a, A largely competitive game until the Warriors just absolutely turned it on tail into the third quarter. We'll break down both of those. We're going to start with the Nuggets, uh, and we'll get into some interesting commentary and behavior uh, from Christian Wood. So let's start with the Nuggets, because this was a game that you know came down, down to the wire finish, really ugly game throughout, because neither team was shooting at all, like could not hit anything, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn from behind the three-point line. At one point, the Nuggets were like two of ten from behind the three-point line. It was it was an ugly, ugly affair. Um, but the ending of this game rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and that is because with about three minutes left to go in this game, a tightly contested game, head coach Steven Silas decided to sub out Jalen Green, who had struggled in this one against the Nuggets, for Eric Gordon. And at the time, and still right now, I think that was the right decision. And I caught a lot of flack for that on social media when I said that. And so here's my my thought process. You can agree or disagree with me. It's totally fine. I'm not here just to, you know, I, this is my opinion and you can have your opinion. That's totally fine. I think that the way this game was going and with the, where the Rockets were at, having only won one game so far this season, Steven Silas made the decision that he thought was going to be most impactful for the game itself, right? To not, and he, it wasn't about, it wasn't about development. It wasn't about the future. It wasn't about getting Jalen Green reps. It wasn't, none of that factored in. It was about what is the thing that I can do right now as the, as the head coach to make this game as winnable as possible for my team. And in that scope, I think Steven Silas absolutely made the right decision. I think that at the time, uh, you couldn't substitute. You couldn't sub out Daniel Tice because he one Daniel Tice had his best game of the season against the Denver Nuggets. Eighteen points, five rebounds, had a pair of steals, eight of twelve shooting. Played some really solid defense on Nikola Jokic. Like I, I know Jokic finished with twenty eight and fourteen, but you know star players are going to get theirs. It's about how hard you make them work for it. And uh, Tice did a, a really solid job on Jokic as well as on switches when he wasn't guarding Jokic. So. Daniel Tice, best game of the season, so I had to leave him out there on the floor. Needed to leave Christian Wood out there on the floor. Needed to have Jay Shantae out there on the floor. And then you're down to deciding between KPJ and Jalen Green. And Jalen Green had struggled in this game. Now, that said, 
So had KPJ. KPJ had had a bit of a, a, an unfortunate game as well. It was two of 14, two of seven from behind the arc, had four assists, had three turnovers. You know, so I could have maybe seen the argument to sit KPJ and bring Eric Gordon in, in favor, but KPJ is supposed to be your point guard, right? KPJ is supposed to be the guy handling the rock, you know, down these stretches of the games. He's supposed to be the one orchestrating and organizing the offense. So what would that look like to bench KPJ? So ultimately, in order to have Eric Gordon in the closing lineup, Jalen Green was the guy who got squeezed. From a developmental standpoint, I completely agree. Jalen Green needs to be out there as much as possible to get as many reps in as possible. But my argument goes as such. They were this close to winning this game. Steven Silas thought they had a better chance to win the game with Eric Gordon and the rest of that lineup, the aforementioned lineup on the floor. And they almost did pull it off. And the morale boost of having won this game versus losing this game would have been substantial. Right. So rather than having Jalen Green out there and, you know, not having the veteran presence, the veteran, you know, calming force of Eric Gordon, the two way presence as well. The defense, you know, is is absolutely also a factor in that decision. He opted, you know, to 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 have Eric Gordon and to give them a better fighting chance to win this game. Because had they gotten the win, then that would have meant a lot for this team who fought who has fought really hard tooth and nail against some of the elite teams of the Western conference, right? They played the Lakers incredibly well in back-to-back games. They got, they, the first game got a little bit away from them. They come up one shot away from winning the second matchup against the Lakers, right? They played really solid against the Phoenix Suns until they ran away with it, right? Really solid game against the Denver Nuggets all the way up until the final buzzer. And then a really solid game against the Warriors up until the Warriors ran away with it in the third quarter. So I think Steven Silas really just wanted to be able to secure a win for his team. And you can have, to, to be fair, you can also have question marks about the execution down the stretch. So Aaron Gordon ices a couple three-pointers back-to-back, gives the Nuggets a one-point lead. And on that final possession, the Rockets get a, def- a defensive stop on the final possession and elect to not call a timeout with about 10, 11 seconds left. My issue wasn't Steven Silas not calling a timeout in that moment. That, to me, was not the problem. A lot of coaches, shout out Mike D'Antoni, right, um, who Rockets fans should absolutely be familiar with. A lot of a lot of NBA coaches elect to not call a timeout if they have a chance to win the game with, you know, 10, 15 seconds, you know, final possession, right? And the reason being is that it's easier to attack a defense that isn't set yet or to attack in transition rather than call the timeout, give the opposing team a chance to sub out their bad defenders to, to get a, you know, a half court defensive game plan, you know, in place. And so that, that's not my issue. Steven Silas, you know, anybody, all the timeout truth are saying that Steven Silas should have called the timeout. I don't think that was the issue. The issue to me is that in that moment, there needs to be a better understanding of who to get the ball to, and what the what the game plan is if there's a crunch time moment with 10, 15, 20 seconds left on the shot clock, who do you get the ball to? Christian Wood got the rebound, dribbled it up the length of the court, and then picked up his dribble in front of two or three Nuggets defenders, right? And then was basically, ha- had nowhere to go, right? Needed an outlet for the pass. Thankfully, Eric Gordon made a really strong cut and made a really strong move towards the rim and then dished it off to Jay Sean Tate, who had a chance to lay the ball in to try and win the game, and Nikola Jokic with the game-saving block. All that said, that is not like the ideal 
end offensive possession, right? Ideally, it should have been Eric Gordon with a full head of steam in transition going straight towards the Nuggets basket um, before their half-court defense had a chance to really set up. So maybe you make the argument that once Christian Wood picked up his dribble, Steven Silas should have called a timeout. There was, I think, about five-ish seconds left on the clock at that point. Um, I can see that argument, absolutely, sure. The other argument is that after that defensive possession, there should have been a timeout called, and then Steven Silas should have subbed back in Jalen Green for the final offensive possession of the game because your number two overall pick, your future star player, should be on the floor for as many minutes as possible, especially these crunch time minutes, to try and get him you know, the experience that he needs in those moments. Sure, I can see these arguments. Again, I think that in the moment, Steven Silas' decision was based on really wanting to pick up the win for this team, making the best possible decision from a roster and X's and O's standpoint based on who is, who was playing well and who wasn't and who complimented who and what was needed on the court at that very moment for the final two and a half, three minutes of this game. And so I stand by his decision to go with Eric Gordon over Jalen Green. Y'all can disagree with that. If you do disagree, let me know. Let me know. Give me, give me an earful in the comments. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Um, but again, my issue with the, the execution late game there was more so centered on Christian Wood's decision to bring the ball up rather than finding immediately KPJ or Eric Gordon to dish the ball. Hell, even Jay Sean Tate, right? Like any one of those three guys, he should have dished the ball off towards. And then he should have gone and, you know, spotted up at the three point line or gotten ready to set a very quick pick and roll, you know, if they, you know, don't get something going truly in transition, all of the above, right? But Christian Wood needs to understand that him bringing the ball up with 10 seconds left on the clock in a game that they're down by one is not an optimal scenario because it ate up about five to six seconds of what they could have used to get a better quality shot down the stretch of this one. So wanted to, you know, kind of share my thoughts on the end of the Rockets Nuggets game there. And then post game, we had some interesting commentary from Christian Wood. So we'll talk about that coming up here in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at Prize Picks. Because look, Prize Picks is, is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. It's daily fantasy made easy. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each and every night. Look, this is how it works, right? You pick two to five players and an over-under for their projections, and you can win up to 10 times back on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And another message from my friends over at DirecTV, because look, I'm sure, I'm sure this sounds a little familiar, right? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. You've got another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the other good stuff that you're missing out on, right? Let me tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle. A great way to finally, finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one spot. That means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again. You don't have to keep track of all these logins and passwords, right? And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. 
And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day, free and available on every platform you can imagine. Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, all those different joints. So Christian Wood, post-game, Denver Nuggets. So Christian Wood against the Denver Nuggets, right, had you know shot four of 11 from the floor, one of three from the three-point line, three of four at the charity stripe, 12 points overall, 17 rebounds, a, a, a solid outing for Christian Wood. Not nearly the usage that you would expect out of him normally offensively. And so post-game against the, uh, after the Nuggets, after the loss, Christian Wood was asked about what it was like matching up with Nikola Jokic, you know, somebody asking, you know, hey, Nikola Jokic, you know, reigning MVP, you know, what was that matchup like? Was it difficult? And that was the crux of the question. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that was the the, the premise, right? So Christian comes out and says, wasn't difficult. It could have been better if I was more involved in the offense. And that was a hell of a quote to hear um, post-game, especially given how that game ended with Christian Wood basically dribbling out half of the remaining clock and putting the Rockets in a bit of an awkward situation offensively. But that was like that quote definitely rubbed me the wrong way. And I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because uh, a lot of people took a lot of exception to that Christian Wood quote uh, because the, the question wasn't exactly asking him about his offensive involvement. It was how was the matchup with, with Jokic uh, could have said anything like, Oh, you know, he's a, he's a former MVP and you know, we, we did a really solid job, you know, defensively, but he, you know, he's going to get his right. Any kind of a cop on answer. Christian Wood decided to make that question about him and about his offensive involvement. And so that happened. And obviously, you know, Obviously, a lot of people felt some kind of way about that. We go into uh, Sunday against the Golden State Warriors. Christian Wood sends out a tweet called, you know, saying, embrace adversity. Um, and then we start the Warriors game, right? And Christian Wood is behaving extremely passively. Uh, is not involved in anything the Rockets are doing offensively. And, you know, through the first, like, four or five minutes of the game, I'm thinking, like, okay, like, every pick-and-roll screen has been set by Daniel Tice. Christian Wood has touched the ball, like, once. You know, maybe he was justified, right? Maybe he was justified in his post-game commentary after the Nuggets saying he needs to be more involved in the offense. Because, frankly, you know, Daniel Tice being the screen setter and Christian Wood not being the screen setter is, like, I you know, astounding to me. It It's frustrating because the, the fit is the fit is clunky with those two guys on the floor because Christian Wood is a better floor space than Daniel Tice. So it makes sense for Daniel Tice to be the screen setter. And he's a better screen setter than Christian Wood. Uh, Christian Wood is the weakest screen setter of the Rockets. Three bigs that get actual rotation minutes out of Tice, Shingun and, and Christian. Um, so maybe that plays into it a little bit. They prefer to have Daniel Tice who sets better, stronger screens, and they prefer to have Christian Wood be out on the perimeter to space the floor as he is a significantly better three point threat from the, from beyond the arc. Maybe that plays into it a little bit, but Christian being, you know, just stationed off in the corner and having zero involvement in the offense is not a great look. So I was kind of siding with Christian for the first four or five ish minutes of the Rockets Warriors game. But then as he started to actually get touches, he just kept passing up opportunities. He was just basically standing on the three-point line and just 
kept passing it to the next open man. At no point did he, you know, realistically try to, you know, pump fake, dribble drive in, create an opportunity for himself. He was being very passive offensively. If dare I say he was being passive aggressive about his touches offensively, kind of making it a point that he wasn't going to shoot the ball in the first half. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Christian Wood did not attempt a single field goal in the first half of the Rockets Warriors game. Didn't have a single stat. Didn't attempt a shot. No rebounds, no assists, no blocks. Had two personal fouls and had a steal after 12 minutes of run in the first half of Rockets Warriors. That is absurd. And again, may, whether this was like him trying to make a point to, to to Silas or to his teammates or whatever, right? It's like unacceptable behavior from the guy who thinks he's supposed to be the franchise player for this team, right? That's whatever this, whatever this, this was with Christian Wood, it ain't it. Look, you can be frustrated that you weren't more involved in the offense against Denver. Sure. Guess what then? Come out and show why you should be more involved against the Warriors, right? The, the Warriors don't have legitimate bigs like, like Jokic, right? So come out and show against what the likes of, you know, Kavon Looney and Otto Porter Jr., Bielitsa, you know, wh who on the Warriors can realistically check Christian Wood other than Draymond Green? And so Steven Silas did highlight post game that Christian Wood spent the first half being guarded by Draymond Green, that he was frustrated by that. Even still, you know, there was a lot of passivity from Christian Wood. And I, I still, even with Draymond Green checking you, Draymond is not, you know, a, a death sentence to a person who's trying to get a, a basket offensively. He's a, he's an elite NBA defensive player, absolutely sure. Guess what? Christian Wood is supposed to be a versatile elite offensive player. And so I would have liked to see Christian actually step out of the gate and prove why his quote wasn't, you know, out of pocket, why he deserves to be more involved offensively, because I agree to an extent. Christian Wood should be the focal point of this Rockets offense. And then right behind him should be Jalen Green. Those, those should be, that's tip of the spear one, tip of the spear two. Christian Wood, Jalen Green. It's those two guys. So while I still think the quote from Christian Wood was a, maybe a little tone deaf after the Rockets loss against the Nuggets uh, and while the first half performance from him and just oh, really realistically the entire game performance because he only finished the game two of five shooting. He had one rebound, four points, one assist, four steals, only attempted one three and missed it. This was easily, easily Christian Wood's worst game of the season. So. Not a great look for Christian Wood. Honestly, despite like there were a lot of a lot of the teams struggled in this game against the Warriors. And even though there was a lot of struggle going on, the Rockets had posted 80 points and were only down three with a handful of minutes left in the third quarter before the Warriors went on their absolute tear. It just started draining threes left and right. The ball movement was insane. The Rockets were getting lost on defense. You know, and before you know it, the lead balloons up and we're talking about Warriors, you know, up 20 going into the fourth quarter. So before that happened, the Rockets had played a relatively competitive game, despite the basically the absence of Christian Wood, um, the struggles of Jalen Green in this game, because Jalen Green had another night where he was definitely uh, struggling on the floor. He was a 
team worst minus 19 for the Rockets, unfortunately. And what the first, I don't know, the first eight possessions of this game, six possessions, whatever it was, every single time was a score and it was on Jalen Green. It was pretty frustrating because Jordan Poole scored the first handful of buckets in this game. He got off to an insane start, had 15 first quarter points. Jordan Poole continues to absolutely impress. I I genuinely think there's an argument there to be made as to whether or not Andrew Wiggins uh, or Jordan Poole is going to be the guy that gets benched upon Klay Thompson's return. Uh, I think that's an interesting dynamic for the Warriors, but won't get into too much of that on this podcast, but Jordan Poole had himself a phenomenal game, 25 points on 7 of 13 shooting. This wasn't even like a, oh, Steph Curry, you know, went nuclear and nuclear, and that's why the Rockets lost. Steph had 20 points on 8 of 16 shooting, 4 of 11 from, from behind the arc, kind of a subpar night from Steph Curry, a quiet night from Steph Curry. Uh, it was everybody else that killed the Rockets. Gary Payton the second with 10 points off the bench. Otto Porter Jr. with 15. Bielitsa with 9. You know, those guys, the bench from the Warriors just torched the Rockets, especially in that third quarter. But Jalen Green struggling defensively in this one was getting burned a lot early in this game uh, and struggling with the the ball movement, the motion offense of the Warriors, keeping track of guys at times, looking very lost out there defensively, unfortunately. And that's just something, again, it's going to come with time. He's a rookie. Um, This was just a tough, tough game against a really, really tough opponent for the Houston Rockets. Um, But they were still very much in it because of the contributions of Alperin Shingun and Jay Sean Tate um, and Daniel Tice to an extent. Daniel Tice was having himself a a relatively solid game. KPJ, slightly solid performance, uh, you know, finished the night, seven assists, only three turnovers. He continues to adapt and get accustomed to the point guard role. Uh, but really, but, but really it was Jay Sean Tate and Alper and Shingun who were kind of carrying this Rockets team for a stretch. At one point they had like half the Rockets points scored. They had 23 of like the 49 points scored by the Rockets at one point. Uh, Jay Sean Tate finishing the night with 21 points, 10 rebounds, didn't have a single assist, which is, uh, uncommon for Jay Shantae to finish the game without a single dime, but 21 points, 10 rebounds, seven of 11 shooting two of four from behind the three point line. And then five of nine shooting at the free throw line. And then Shingun off the bench with 12 points on three of four shooting had five rebounds, had an assist, had a steal, uh, or as I apologize, had a block and had three turnovers. So those two guys kind of kept the rockets in it for a stretch uh, during the second and third quarters being really aggressive. The team, the rockets as a team, were really aggressive against this Warriors team. Uh, went to the free throw line 37 times, only hit 25 of them though. So it comes down to again, missing free throws and turning the ball over has been the absolute bane of this Rockets team. The Rockets had 21 turnovers as a team to the tune of 33 Warriors points. Now that said, the Warriors did turn the ball over 17 times and the Rockets scored 28 points off those 17 turnovers. So, They did do a relatively decent job of like capitalizing off of the mistakes that the Warriors were making. That's something that we haven't seen a lot of. So that is a is a noticeable improvement is that in previous games, the Rockets haven't taken advantage of when the opposing team makes those mistakes. 
So seeing them actually take advantage and get out in transition and score some points off of the Warriors' mistakes, or even not even if it's in transition, but just on the on the subsequent possession, right? Because they still needed they they only had 14 transition points. They still needed to get out, get out and try to run more against this Warriors team. This is something that this team has to be able to do is get out in transition and run quite a bit more than they have. That said, overall, I can't be too upset at this performance because they held their own against the best team in the Western Conference in the Golden State Warriors, and they basically played a really solid two and a half, almost three quarters against them before the you know the train came or the train came off the rails, uh, you know, with with the barrage of three pointers that the Warriors buried at the tail end of the third frame. It was basically two runs that did the Rockets in in this game, right? It was the Otto Porter run at the end of the first half. Otto Porter synced three three-pointers in a row. Otto, literally Steph Curry, Porter Jr., sunk three threes in a row, the final one being an absolute heat check. And then, so that gave the Warriors a cozy lead going into halftime. And then they built upon that lead with a 34-22 to third quarter. Again, a 20-3 to run to close out that quarter for the Warriors. That's what did the Rockets in ultimately. So, Coming up, want to share final thoughts from this past weekend slate of action. A couple more takeaways, and we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Look, I I absolutely love Thanksgiving. You got all the good food and treats and, and plenty of them, right? Stuffing, I just, ooh, sweet potato, I, I, all, all of it, right? But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't just chock full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end, right? Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, four grams of sugar with tons of protein in every single bar. Replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any slice of pie that you may be craving this holiday season. Low-cal, low-carb, low-fat, high-protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. And you can check them out just as Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bar out there. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, where we thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen, Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd is absolutely killing it over there. If you like fantasy basketball, you got to go check out Locked on Fantasy Hoops. So go check out that show wherever you get your podcasts, also available on YouTube. So some uh, wrapping up some thoughts from this Rockets weekend slate. So... First off, in this Rockets-Warriors game, I probably should have prefaced this before getting into some of the uh, niche details of the game, but no Eric Gordon, uh, still no Daniel House in this one. And, you know, the Rockets were spread pretty thin as far as their lineup goes. So we actually saw some first quarter run from Josh Christopher. And, you know, I really think that Josh Christopher can play. Like, like here, like here are my, here, I've got, I've got three points that I want to get to. Josh Christopher can play. KJ Martin should get more than five minutes because at one point you look up and I think it was going into the fourth quarter of Rockets Warriors. KJ Martin had only played five minutes, which I think is just absurd. So Josh Christopher can play. KJ Martin deserves more minutes and Jay Sean Tate. I'm going to save the Jay Sean Tate one for last. So let's talk Josh Christopher first. Um, Josh Christopher played 19 minutes in this game. Uh, that included the garbage time minutes that he got. But 
overall, it feels like to me, and this is something that has stood out to me, Josh Christopher's drive and kickability is absolutely there. He, for me, it's just been about his decision-making up to this point, the minutes that we have seen him play where at times he can, you know, be a little overly aggressive trying to get his own shot. You know, it's, it's that it's learning to, you know, learning to decide when am I going to pass? When am I going to create for myself? You know, how to really steer an offense, but I think he could absolutely flourish in some point guard minutes for this Rockets team. And at this point, if JC and if Usman Garuba aren't going to go down to the G League to get reps with the G League Vipers, then they need to be getting a little bit of run with this team. There's no reason for them to be sitting on the bench getting splinters in their butts if they're not playing, right? Like they either need to be getting a little like five ish minutes a night, even five to 10 minutes, uh, 10 minutes a night, or they need to be sent down to the Viper so they get actual reps and get practice and hopefully build some chemistry together. That said, you know, I, I kind of predicted going into the season that on the second night of back to backs, if Eric Gordon were to sit out, which he sat out with a little bit of right groin tightness, uh, if Eric Gordon was, was to ever miss time, that we would probably see some Josh Christopher minutes at the guard spot in place of Eric Gordon. It's exactly what happened in this one. I liked Josh Christopher's ability to drive and kick in this game. I think that's hands down his best asset to this team besides his defense, which could at times use a little work. He's, he's an aggressive defender. He works hard. He's, you know, 110%. His motor is unreal. That said, he's not like the best highest IQ defender, right? And that's going to get better with time because he wants to be a, a solid defender. So Josh Christopher's best asset to this team is his driving kick game. I want to see more of that on display if he's not going to go down to the Vipers. Okay. So that's my first point. Um, second point is KJ Martin. KJ Martin absolutely needs to be getting regular rotation minutes. And I've, I've, been banging this drum for a little while now. He should have never been squeezed from the rotation originally. There was no reason to play Daniel House Jr. over him. David Nwaba, I still believe, should be in the rotation. I, I think that David Nwaba provides, you know, a really, really niche element to this Rockets team. He's, he's lethal in transition. He isn't as much of a liability as some would have you believe in the half court. Yes, he doesn't have a consistent three-point shot, but he still is able to attack and doesn't exactly hamstring the Rockets spacing as much as, you know, it, it's no different than, than Shingun being out there or Tice being out there with David Nwaba, right? P, you know, opposing team, you know, defenders still close out to him at the three point line and he's still a lethal driver. And he, he's so physical that he's able to finish with ease at the rim off of those, you know, off of those kickout opportunities. So even if he's not attempting a lot of threes, he's still able to create something out of nothing from those opportunities. Plus, his defense is just absurd. So, I like what David Dwaba brings to the team. Brings to the team. Brings to the table. That said, there's no reason that KJ Martin should have only had five minutes in this game. In 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 the time that KJ Martin played in this game, he finished the night seven points, four rebounds, three of six shooting. You know, a quiet overall night, but it's because he didn't get much run out there with the actual core group of guys, right? He's shown time and time again now that when he's out there with, you know, the with the starters, when he's out there with with KPJ, with Jalen Green, they're able to find him. And I think hands down, I think honestly, one of my favorite lineups the Rockets have run because it it suits their desire to play fast and it allows Christian Wood to play at an advantage against most opposing teams is running KJ Martin at the four and running Christian Wood at the five. 
So basically some lineup variation that has Wood at the five, KJ at the four. And then honestly, it doesn't even matter what other three guys are placed in there around those two guys because it allows Christian Wood to have his mismatch and have an advantage against opposing centers on the other team because most centers cannot keep up with Christian Wood. That's where he has his his most of his advantages offensively. And then KJ Martin, same thing, right? He gets to slot in at the four spot and largely cause, you know, not necessarily a full-blown mismatch against the opposing four, but it allows the Rockets to get out and run in transition. It it is easily their most athletic lineup and KJ plays above the rim. He is a true vertical spacer for this Rockets team. He had a pair of ridiculous dunks in this game against the Warriors. He had that cleanup crew dunk, which I highlighted was, you know, just runs in, you know, completely times a jump per a jump perfectly for the offensive rebound and gets an extra two points to the Rockets otherwise wouldn't have had. KJ Martin crashes the offensive glass really, really well using his athleticism. He's a smart player. Defensively, he tries hard. Like there's so many positives about what KJ Martin brings to the table for this team and the idea that he only got five minutes of like actual run before it basically became garbage time is a little frustrating so I we need to see more KJ Martin minutes he and this is going to be a big test for me moving forward for Steven Silas if upon Daniel House Jr.'s return if KJ Martin gets squeezed from the rotation again, that's going to be when I have some serious questions about Steven Silas. I've largely defended Silas to this point. It's still early in the season. We're only 10 games through. He's still playing around with rotations. He's trying to figure out who complements who and where, right? He's still matching up certain rotations to other, you know, uh, other, other teams, what other lineups are on the floor, that kind of thing. That's how rotations should be, right? It shouldn't just be a de facto, like, oh, we're just going to trot out this lineup all the time. We're always going to close with this lineup, this kind of thing, right? And Steven Silas has shown that willingness to be flexible, right? He's shown at times he goes back to his de facto starting five to close out games. He's shown at times he's willing to ride the hot hand. He's shown at times he's willing to bench Jalen Green in favor of Eric Gordon, right? Silas is experimenting and trying things. And that's all I can ask of him as the head coach is to make those attempts to try and find the right lineups to find success. So those are, those are my points there. Um, final point here. Jay Sean Tate has been the Rockets best, most consistent player through the first 10 games of the season. Bar none. I agree or disagree, right? Has Jay Sean Tate been the bo- the best, most consistent player for this Rockets team? Let me know in the comments. Um, because ultimately, he shows up, does, does his role on a nightly basis, doesn't complain about shot attempts, gets his seemingly, like, you know, after everybody else. There's n- It doesn't really ever feel like there's set plays run for Jay Sean. He just kind of gets his within the flow of the offense. He plays tough, hard-nosed, all-NBA caliber defense, right? And the, in, in this game, he was the Rockets' leading scorer. 21 points, 10 boards, went through his stat line earlier. You know, he is so impactful on both ends of the basketball court. And if you were to ask me right now, who is more important to the Rockets' long-term future? Is it Christian Wood or is it Jay Sean Tate? I'd argue it's Jay Sean Tate. He is the, like, prototypical, perfect, like, glue guy that you want at that small forward spot on a championship caliber team. He absolutely is, right? The biggest question for him has been his three-point shot, and he's not phenomenal with it so far this season. In fact, I want to see where he's at. Let me see. 
should have pulled this up because I want to know what his actual three-point stats are right now. Uh, so he's shooting a little under 30% from three this season. Not great numbers, right? My goal for him this season was to get up to consistently about 34 35%, because at that point, if Jay Shante can get up to 34 35% from three with everything else he brings you, he is a perfect like 3 and D more than a 3 and D type player and and the perfect fit at small forward for this Rockets team that said he's still been the Rockets best most consistent player this season and I just wanted to highlight that because his defense is again all NBA level caliber he leads this team we saw a little bit during a timeout right he was kind of coaching up Armani Brooks a little bit during a timeout I think he's you know becoming a vocal leader of this team right we hear him in post game the way that he talks about you know, this team and about priding himself on defense and what they have to do. Um, he carries himself so well for a second year player for a sophomore. Now, granted, that's because, right, obviously he's got more experience than a traditional sophomore rookie would have or a sophomore NBA player would have having spent time overseas, that kind of thing. I think his role and what he brings to this team is invaluable. So couldn't say enough good things about Jay Sean Tate. Uh, who, again, had a really phenomenal game, a 20-10 and 10 outing against the Warriors. Just wanted to highlight that. So, again, has Jay Sean been the, mo the, the best, most consistent player to you on this Rockets team, or has it been somebody else for the first 10 games of this season? Let me know in the comments. I want to hear from you. That said, that's going to be the end of this episode. Coming up, we've got a couple more episodes. We got a, we got a nice break because the very next game is going to be between two juggernauts in the Rockets and Pistons, Cade Cunningham versus Jalen Green. Uh, the Pistons and Rockets, both uh, one of the three remaining teams, uh, two of the three remaining teams that have only won one game apiece so far this NBA season. Uh, the Pelicans, shout out to whatever's going on with Zion Williams, uh, Zion Williamson. Uh, you know, that's the last team that has only won one game. So somebody, one of these dominoes is going to fall. Either the Rockets are going to win or the Pistons are going to win. Uh, and it's going to be a showdown, a battle for the ages between uh, hopeful Rookie of the Year candidates in Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham. It's going to be a really exciting game, but we've got a couple days off between now and then. Uh, I've got a couple exciting, fun episodes planned for us. We're going to do a kind of a report card, uh, a grading scale of the Rockets uh, roster and players through the first 10 games of the season. We'll also bring in uh, a special guest, somebody we haven't heard of, heard from in a little while. Always excited to bring him on the show. So with that, I'll leave you teased up for the next couple episodes. But with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.